At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick of the Five Reasons Sports Network and Five on the Floor podcast. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that's BetDSI. You can find them at Bet dsi.com why would you want to go there because sports are more fun when you're betting on them not just betting on them before the game betting on the teams before the season also betting in game so if it doesn't go so well for you during the first half bet on the second half made a little bit of money doing that last year you can bet absolutely everything on betdsi.com you got to use the promo code 5101 that's f-i-v-e 101 because you'll get special bonuses allows you to lose a little bit more and still make some money so definitely want to do that i needed to do that last year 5101 we'll be posting a lot about them on twitter as well and if you're interested in the heat i know they're not playing any games right now but you can bet the over under on them i saw that crept up to about 43 and a half so if you feel good about the heat this year you can certainly bet on them at bet dsi of course the dolphin season opener is coming up canes just played florida but they got uh, North Carolina coming up in two weeks. And you don't just have to bet on South Florida teams. You can bet on just about anybody. So betdsi.com. Use the code 5101. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Check out all of the podcasts in our network. Of course, we've got football going strong now, so check out Five Rings Canes. We just added Alex Dono and Larry Bluestein, the dean of South Florida recruiting, to that feed. Also, three yards per carry. They'll start going twice a week soon, uh, provided the Dolphins actually have a quarterback by the season opener. We're not sure. Um, but provided that they are going to play football this year, they're going to go twice a week. Fish Tank had Chris Chambers, who's also in our network uh, on their podcast. That's their Dolphin Stories pod. Of course, check out Smart Your Territory on Wrestling, Fantasy on Five, Balls Cast, our guy here, Alf's Light Skinned Opinions, and all the other podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. And also check out FiveReasonsSports.com. We've added a bunch of new writers there. Um, that is spelled out, Five Reasons sports.com. All right, we're getting back to a feud today, and I had to bring these two guys together. Not that Keith Pompey, who has been covering the Sixers for seven years for the Philly Inquirer, is biased in any way. He's, he's the consummate professional objective reporter, um, but my co-host is not any of those things. Um, and, and I'm he's super biased. Super biased and, and hates the Sixers <laughs> associated with them. So we wanted to bring them together because I got to send Keith a shirt. Uh, we, we've got these new shirts on our website. Uh, that basically sort of spell everything out here because of this, I don't know, this feud between Sixer and Heat, and Heat fans where it's basically, you know, uh, we, we didn't do 305. We should have done it in that order. But five finals appearances, three championships, zero tanking. That's a process. So I'm not going to make you defend all Sixer fans here today, Keith, um, but defend Sixer fans. Um, wh- why, are they so, why are they so uptight? Why do they have such a bug up their ass about Heat fans right now just because Jimmy Butler came to Miami? <laughs> I mean, I, I think also be they don't like the shirt because 
you know, it's like, oh, this is a real process, you know, because when they think of the process, you know, they don't think of all the losing and, and the guys that they missed on. You know, they think of uh, Joel Embiid. They think of Ben Simmons. Um, but And also, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, like him or, or hate him, at the end of the season, the people in Philadelphia fell in love with him. And the fact that he's in, in South Florida right now doesn't really sit well to a lot of them. I mean, they're preparing to boo him when he comes back. And uh, I, I think when you have a shirt like that, and you also take Jimmy Butler out of the equation. I mean, people are a little upset. Uh, Keith, one of the things I think that comes into play is that there's just a fundamental difference between the way the Heat have kind of built their team and uh, gone about their process compared to what Philly has done. So you you know how fans do. They just latch on whatever civic pride is involved. So... It's, it's just kind of like a fundamental difference between the two. Now, do you personally believe that there's a better way to build a team? Is it, is it, just, uh, is it just two different ways of thinking? Because, uh, you know, because down here we look at the tanking thing and we look at the process and we're like, I just don't understand how a fan base can be okay with losing for that long, even if you feel like you came out of it on top. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, you know what it is? You know, I, I, well, you really can't because the Sixers weren't the only team tanking. I think they were the one team that tanked for three and a half years. You know, that's where you have an argument with. And I think that initially that people were okay with it. And then year two came and like, hey, what's going on? Then year three, you know, all the people who are excited now were, you know, I was at those games, man. The, the arenas were empty. You know, people were complaining. Um, there was one time there was a guy who had, you know, who fell asleep in the front row and, and we took a picture of him, ran him on the, on the front of the sports page. You know, people were just laughing at the team. Um, you know, and then you look at how, you know, Miami did it. You know, Miami was one of these teams where, you know, you looked at it and it was like, wow, they're underachieving a little bit. You know, they got these guys, that, you know, they're, they're scraps for, I mean, strapped for money. You know, and, and I will say this, though. There was – I remember there was one game, and it was the worst game that I covered. I forget how many years ago. Probably was two years ago, where Miami and the Sixers were both trying to lose the the, the regular season finale because Miami wanted to get that draft pick. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, they weren't doing an all-out tank, but – you know, it was like a who's who who was sitting on the bench though, that game. You know, it was like three years that's ago. A, that's so, the end of the season for like every non playoff yeah. team. It was a lot of beasts. Yeah, but that game was bad. That was a horrible game. I <laughs> well, was like, whoa. That wasn't Zoran Dragic yeah. dropping 30 points, was it? Because that was I, a bad one. I think it was Zoran. Well, wasn't it Beasley? I thought it was Zoran and not a lot of minutes. Yeah, it was yeah, Beasley. Yeah, it was like Beasley was killing them. I mean, it was like, okay, that's the second overall pick. <laughs> right there. Like, I mean, Beasley looked like, you know, Beasley when he was at Oak Hill Academy, the way he was crushing them. I mean, it was it was a horrible game. And, and you look at it. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I remember the Sixers. I mean, people can make fun. I remember, what was it, my first year, the Sixers won three games on the West Coast, right? And then Hinky was upset, Sam Hinky, the general manager. And what happens is he sent two dudes down to the G League right after that. I mean, that was his way of, like, telling Brett Brown, like, look, you're messing up. 
and they sent like two guys down. It's like, how dare you go on a three game winning streak? You know, so it was bad. It was horrible. It, it, it was a bad, it was, it was a bad thing. It was a bad thing. Yeah, Keith, the funny thing about Beasley is when you were trying to win, it didn't work. And when you were trying to lose, <laughs> he dropped 30. I mean, that's just, that's just Beast. I, yeah. I want to get into a lot of Jimmy Butler with you here in a second, but I, okay. I want to go to the Sixers uh, first. And, and just because uh, we talk about Hinky, you mentioned Hinky. That's two general managers ago now. I mean, I mean, yeah. you had Hinky blown out. Kind of the same thing just happened with the Cleveland Browns, where Sashi Brown you know, built the whole foundation here and then, you know, ended up, you know, John Dorsey comes in and makes all the picks that he accumulated, uses all the cap space. And now Cleveland looks like a really good team in the NFL. All of a sudden, Sashi Brown gets no credit for it. Um, do you think that, that they, and then you had the Colangelo thing in the middle, which was just, I mean, people talk about crazy stories in the NBA. Now people are forgetting that one. I mean, his wife on Twitter, basically and message boards and getting fired. Uh, if Hanky had stayed, how different would this look now? Because I mean, you already have two other philosophies. You got Elton coming in as a first-year G as a, as a first-time GM, well, someone I have a lot of respect for, but obviously he's never done the job before. How different would the Sixers roster look if Sam had been able to see it through? You know, I don't think at all. And and, and here's my reasoning. Now, I, I you know, when I when you look at the Sixers, you know, although Hinky was there, although Colangelo was there, and Elton Brand a little bit. You know, at least Hinky and Colangelo, they were making the same moves. I mean, there were some drafts where you're saying, okay, you're not going to draft this guy, are you? You know, but it just seems like what they were doing is they were always loading up on draft picks, and they kept acquiring guys, you know, uh, to get additional draft picks and getting guys to eat up cap space. You know, I feel like, you know, the ownership group is, is heavily involved, and I felt I feel as if that, you know, they were the ones who were making a lot of these moves. I mean, let's face it, the 76ers from the, for the all six years that I covered going, just going to my seventh, what they do is they acquire a bunch of second round picks and they sell them. You know what I mean? They sell them on draft night. That way, you know, they get the money back. Um, but, you know, in, in regards to it, it just seems like, you know, for Hinky, you can look at it two ways. So there are like the trust the process crew, these people, you know, they live and die. They love Sam Hinkie. In their eyes, Sam Hinkie was great. You know, he's the guy that they feel like he's the guy that got him in the position, the things that Colangelo could do. Now, if Hinkie was still around and if Hinkie made some mistakes, then all of a sudden that would take a little bit of the Hinkie, the God, so to speak. You know what I mean? You would see that. He's like just this human, just like everyone else. And I think Colangelo, just because of the way that he came in, you know, his father, the NBA, that there were a, a, a huge group of people who hated him. So no matter what he did, they kept saying, hinky, hinky, hinky's our guy. But I, I think, like I said in the beginning, I think a lot of it has to do with the ownership. You know, we even heard that, you know, that when they made the trade for Jimmy Butler, that it was something that the two owners agreed upon. We all know that Minnesota's owner was involved and, you know, the owners typically speak to other owners. So, you know, I just think that it's the, the Sixers ownership that's really calling the shots. Now, Elton Brand is, is doing things now, but you have to think that when Hinky was there, when Colangelo was there, and in the beginning of uh, Elton Brand's, that, the, you know, the owners had a heavy hand in everything. 
So, Keith, what happens, okay, if, all right, the, the, the Sixers went through the process, you have the, all the high draft picks, um, you know, when you really look at it, uh, most of them were actually failed uh, draft picks, but you mm-hmm. settled on Embiid, you settled on Simmons, you're paying Tobias Harris a ton of money, you got Al Horford, you got Josh Richardson, right? What if this doesn't mm-hmm. work out? What if this fails? What is what is the, you know, what's the back, what's plan B for the Sixers uh, and and the Sixers fans if the process doesn't come to fruition? Man, if if if, if that doesn't come for, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't pan out, it, it's going to be tough because you gave all these guys a lot of money, right? And if you look at Embiid, Embiid is the best player. But then when you think of his injury history and then you look at uh, Ben Simmons, I mean, I would think that you would have to ship Ben Simmons out if someone would take that contract. He's about to get 170. You know, he's an all-star and all that, but he still has to develop his shot. To me, that's the only – I mean, you know, that's that's the only plan B because if not, you're like – I mean, you're strapped for the next couple years. I mean, I don't know if you can get rid of Tobias Harris's, you know, 180. Um, you know, MB, like we said, the injury history, you know, Al Horford, he's getting a little older now, you know, I mean, who knows what Josh Richardson, I mean, do you get rid of him? But at the same time, he's not really um, killing you salary wise. So I think the plan B would have to be getting rid of Ben Simmons and trying to start anew. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into Jimmy Butler here with Keith Pompey because I want to clear up some things. There's a, a disparity about how badly the Sixers wanted him back or if they wanted him back at all. Before we get to today's episode of Five on the Floor, make sure you check out one of the great sponsors of this podcast and the other podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is AutoNation. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs. Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, the lowest price guaranteed. Or if you just want to get rid of that old car, turn it into cash today, get a top dollar offer, and a check the same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Your check engine light on right now. Get the services you need at low AutoNation prices. Oil changes, tires, batteries, and more, all for less. Call or visit AutoNation.com to schedule your appointment today. All right, but here's the thing. I used to say that a lot. If you're in the market for a new car, make sure you DM me at 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. That's the number five Reason Sports. I will give an AutoNation senior manager your information, with your permission, so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. So no waiting online, no getting lost in the sauce or any of that stuff. An AutoNation senior manager will reach out to you directly. I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and of course, that is the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com, or call 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including, but not limited to, car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets. I can tell you that they do a really good job with that, because they just got mine thrown out. They've got a new 15,000-square-foot office that has opened on I-95 in North Miami. We actually work out of that office with MC, and come say hello to us, too, and they'll handle cases for from all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation and ask about the special on traffic tickets starting at $49.95. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. All right, back here with Keith Pompey. Now, okay, I'm confused on this. Uh, (laughs) 
because there were reports at the time that the Sixers were willing to give Jimmy at least a four-year or maybe even a five-year extension. But others like Woj came out and said it was never offered, and really they were out of the quote-unquote Jimmy Butler business. So which is it? You know, I, I think that when, well, when Jimmy, from what I from what I understand, is when you know during the season when Jimmy signed with this, well, when was traded to the the Sixers, it was under the assumption that they were going to give him a five year max, right? Um, I think that they really wanted to do that, um, but I think that it came a point where they didn't know what Jimmy was really trying to do. And I also think that they weren't trying to bring back Jimmy and Tobias, <laughs> both for a lot of money. So it came down to the one that they felt like they could get. Now, I've heard that same thing that y'all did, that Jimmy was offered to Max. I had a couple sources tell me that. But then I had other sources tell me they didn't offer him the Max. You know, now, but early on, everyone was under the assumption that he would get the Max. You know, and I think what happened is it got to a point where, you know, we can get Tobias for five years, 180. You know, we probably have to give Jimmy a little bit more. We don't want to do that. We want to bring in Al Horford. Because I think Al Horford was always in play. It was just a matter of getting one of the other guys, you know, uh, Tobias or Jimmy to stay. And not both of them, but just one. And I, I think that the Sixers ultimately decided, you know, to go the Tobias route. But I do believe that he was offered to Max early on. Like, you know, like when they, you know, I don't think it came down in the writing, but I think that he was offered it early on. He, he was noncommittal and they decided to go a different way. Okay. And so what do you think about the Josh Richardson edition? Cause we love Josh down here. That's our guy. Um, Listen, we we would we didn't mind giving him up for Jimmy Butler, but um, what do you think of that addition? Because I actually really like it for the Sixers because of his shooting. Um, because between Embiid and Simmons, you don't have really guys that can pace the floor, uh, space the floor like that. I don't like the Tobias Harris contract at all. But as far as getting Josh Richardson back from, for Jimmy Butler, I felt like it was a decent uh, a decent return. What what is the feeling of uh, about Josh Richardson in Philly right now? In Philly, a lot of people are excited. You know, when, when Jimmy when, when Jimmy was, you know, they did, they did the sign and trade, it was like, who did they get? Oh, they got Josh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Josh is going to be great. You know, Josh is going to be great. My question is, I just want to uh, see how they're going to use him. Because, you know, Josh Richardson is a guy who's starting to come out in his own. You know, he he's, he, he's progressed each season, you know. Right now, he's going to be the fifth option on the Sixers. And typically, the fifth option is a 3-and-D guy. You know, and I, I just want to see how that's going to work out. You know, I would hate to see him be a guy who, you know, he guards, you know, the opposing point guard on, on, on defense. But then in offense, you just have him standing in the corner and getting kick-out threes. You know, and, and will he be happy with that role? You know, so to me, you know, I just have to see how it's all going to work out because when I look at the Sixers team, yes, it's different, but I don't know if it's any better than a team that lost to the Toronto Raptors in seven seven games in the second round of playoffs. So, 
you know, it's just a lot of wait and see to me personally to see how Josh is going to fit in. Now, the Sixers fans, they're all excited. I mean, they're looking at his stats. But I don't think he'll have the same stat being the fifth option on the Sixers. And who, who do you think is going to be the closer? That's that's one of the things you know, I look at that team. Who, who closes? I mean, because that was Jimmy last year. And exactly. I look at Ben. Ben doesn't have enough offensive tools. Embiid is a big man. Big men can't be closers. They, they, that's not a new thing in the new NBA. This is just – it is what it is. Josh Richardson makes bad decisions at the end of the games. Um, Tobias Harris. I mean, who's going to be the closer for, for Philly next year? You know what? They better hope it's Tobias. I mean, they think it's going to be Tobias. I mean, Tobias is making 180 mil. So, you know, you look at it, and the perfect world is going to have to, like you said. I mean, too much has to go right for you to give a, a, a big man the ball in the clutch and expect him to do something. The same thing with, you know, with um, Al Horford. So when you look at it, it has to be Tobias Harris. You know, now if, if Ben Simmons had a jump shot, you know, then we would say, okay, maybe it's Ben. But right now, I don't think that's his makeup either. So it's going to have to be Tobias. And, you know, it's... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela 
is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. going to be a lot of pressure on him now. You know, this is something that he really wanted. And it, it, like as you pointed out, they lost a lot by losing Jimmy because Jimmy, not only was he a closer, he had that attitude like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to assassinate people. You know, the Sixers, they got a lot of nice guys on this team. You know, Embiid is fun-loving, but, you know, they don't have that type of dog like Jimmy Butler was now. Yeah, and that's what the Heat needed. I, a couple things on this before I get to another question on Jimmy. I mean, the first thing is, I think Alf hit on it. We really like Josh Richardson. I think Josh Richardson is best as a third option, mm-hmm. and I think he was asked as a first option here last year because – for a smart kid, and he is a really smart kid. He's got diverse interests. I think everybody here really likes Josh. He makes some crazy decisions down the stretch. I mean, the stepping out of bounds became this, like, meme down here. Um, and, and I don't know why, because he's, it's, it's just funny, because Josh, to me, was more intelligent than a lot of other people who made better decisions down the stretch. Um, and so I don't know that he's that, but I also don't think he's a fifth option. Like, I think he is on a really good team, a third or fourth option, And I just don't see Tobias Harris as a one. And I'm going to circle back to you with Simmons before we close the podcast because I don't know how he can be considered a superstar until he decides he's going to shoot. I mean, which gets me. But let's get back to Jimmy because there were a lot of stories that came out about Jimmy in Philadelphia. And and I've said that the things that scare off other organizations about players are the things that the Heat embrace. They want Mm -hmm. competitive MFers, okay? Like, that's what they want. Like, I mean, I tell this story all the time, but – Pat Riley in New York, like he tells this story, like his first year there, the marketing department came to him with this fluffy slogan and he's like, no, I want chalk outlines. Okay. Like that's, that's what Pat wants. He doesn't want people picking people off, off the floor and the culture hasn't really changed that much since Eric took over for Pat. So I said, even when they were looking at Westbrook, like they would love Westbrook and Butler fighting in practice, like, like, but apparently it didn't go over that well in Philly. What happened between Jimmy Butler and Brett Brown, because there's a lot of stuff that's come out about that since that I've kind of has circulated through writers, but I haven't seen a ton of it written. You know, uh, well, when it it all started out, like, I I don't blame Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler, I think is, you know, Jimmy's the type of guy, he's in a great situation in Miami, but Jimmy's the type of person, if you're weak-minded, he's going to run all over you. You know, Jimmy, we all have friends like that. Like, you grew up playing sports with them, right? And they were the guy on the team that was just loud. And you all have friends that way. Like, instead of saying, hey, how you doing? You guys doing well today? Jimmy will walk in the room and say, what's up, MFers? I'm going to kick all your MFers, you know, butt today. You know what I mean? But he won't say butt. That's just him. That's Jimmy. And he's also a type of guy that's going to test you. Like he'll walk in there and he'll like, he loves confrontation. But once you set him straight and once you get back in his face and let him know that you're in charge, he, he, he'll follow. But if you don't do that, he is going to eat you alive. Now, here's the thing about Jimmy Butler when he, when he gets there. And I think a lot of people don't know this probably down in Miami, but you know, we've written this. I mean, I wrote this. Um, Jimmy first gets there. Jimmy knows that he has a reputation of being a locker room killer, a guy that's tough on teammates, the whole nine. So Jimmy is saying all the right things. He's basically being a Boy Scout. You know, he's, he's like, 
very, you know, just a good guy. Well, all of a sudden, Joel Embiid starts complaining about his role on the team. And he wasn't upset with Jimmy. It just so happens that since Ben couldn't really stretch the floor and he refused to shoot from the outside, they had to take Embiid out of the post and make him into basically a stretch four. And Ben was down on the block, right? That's how it went. And Embiid complained about that. And it became a big deal in Philadelphia. Um, So Jimmy doesn't say anything. A lot of people thought he was complaining about Jimmy. Jimmy says, hey, I support the big fella. You know, I support him, right? Then next thing you know, right after that, the the Sixers are in the second in the second day of a um, second game of a back-to-back there in San Antonio and Bruce Bowen addresses the team in a meeting and he attacks Embiid and calling him a selfish player and this and that. And he's walking towards Embiid and he's like, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of you. Now, Jimmy's seeing all of this stuff. Right. And next thing you know, if Bruce stops and whatever, he apologizes to Embiid. But the team is like, what the heck just happened? They get their butts whipped that night in, in, in San Antonio, right? So if you're Jimmy, you're saying like, okay, they're saying I'm crazy, but look at this situation. So they're in Portland, and Brett, they, they have a team meeting, and Brett Brown says, does anyone have something to say? So Jimmy, like I said, looking around, seeing what's going on, he says, I have something to say. And he just basically, like I said, like Jimmy is, he's like, you know, a loud guy. He does whatever. And he said what he had to say. And from what I was told is he was basically taken up for certain teammates too. So to me, he came into a, a team where the culture was messed up. And then all of a sudden he feels like, okay, this is what they do here. So he said something, but if it was Joel, if it was Ben, if it was uh, J.J. Reddick, you know, it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but it was Jimmy Butler, a guy who, you know, had problems in Chicago, a, a guy who had sh- problems in Minnesota. Now, again, you know, like I said, Jimmy is the type of guy who's going to try. He'll test authority. But if you have a team like Miami, you have a guy like Pat Riley, you know, people like that who, who, who will get back in your face, that's what Jimmy loves. He'll run through a brick door for you. But I just feel like here in Philadelphia, it was kind of like, you know, some people's a little bit intimidated by him and some people were scared of him. I mean, Jimmy tested everyone. I mean, there was times when him and I got in an argument, you know, but that's Jimmy. If you don't stand up for yourself, he's going to walk over you. But, you know, I, I think that they're going to miss some big time because it's that mentality he had. And there was times in the regular season where Jimmy had five points and people were like, man, what the heck is going on? Jimmy Butler this, Jimmy Butler that. But once the playoffs came, it was his team. It wasn't Joel Embiid's team. It wasn't Ben Simmons. It was Jimmy Butler's squad. And I think the Sixers are really going to miss him. I think what's fascinating about this, we, we've done a series of these kind of Jimmy Butler chronicles. I had John Krasinski on from Minnesota. I had Casey Johnson, uh, Vinny Goodwill, uh, from, and, and also Sean Hyken, who covered him in Chicago. 
what's amazing to me is how consistent the stories are about him. Like for, for everybody who talks about him being erratic, he's been the same guy in all three places. Like if you go to the situation in Chicago, it was basically Dwayne who spoke out and then Jimmy who kind of, again, testing the waters kind of pushed it after that, you know, because, and it became sort of a battle between them and Rondo who was defending the kids. But again, it was Jimmy kind of pushing the envelope there and, you know, but making himself heard. And then again, Minnesota Krasinski, you know, told me like the same thing you said about him with reporters, which is that, uh, tell me if this is accurate, essentially like Jimmy will deal with reporters. He says he's great to deal with for reporters, but he wants to know the why. Like he's not just going to tell, like Krasinski was telling this story about how, I guess John was writing a piece about Jimmy and Carl Anthony Towns. It was around the All-Star game, okay, that first year when they both made the All-Star team and talking about how Cat and Jimmy were totally different personalities. And so John started down this train of thought and Jimmy's like, well, tell me why you think that, like challenging you. And it's funny because the only, the guy, the one guy I've covered who's like that is LeBron. Like, I, and I don't think LeBron and Jimmy from a personality standpoint get equated a lot, but LeBron always wanted to know the, why are you asking that? Like what, you know, because he was sort of thinking along the way. I mean, he was actually process, unlike a lot of athletes that I've covered, he was processing the question and he would entertain the question and he would answer the question, but he wanted to know why the fuck you were asking the question because yeah. he to process it. Is that the Jimmy Butler that you covered for those few months? Kind of, sort of, but see, also Jimmy was, Jimmy was, you know, Jimmy really didn't like speaking in groups in Philly too much. And the reason being is because this was a contract year, you know, and he knew, we all knew how he felt about certain people, like within the organization. Like, there's no secret that he, he, Jimmy and Brett Brown didn't get along, right? You know what I mean? Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, kind of, sort of, you know, he, he, he did what he had to do, but it was a lot of times when Jimmy knew the questions were going to come about he and him and Brett Brown, right? So Jimmy didn't want to answer, you know, so he would avoid it. And it was funny because one day, there was one day before Jimmy went to the podium, because the Sixers, they do post game, they'll bring Jimmy and, and the select players to the podium. And I went in the locker room. And him and I got, and not really got into it, but we had like a debate, not a conversation. I was like, Jimmy, why you don't like talking to us, man? And he broke it down to me. He says, look, man, they, you guys know what I'm going to say. And you know how I feel, but I feel like people ask questions to get sound bites, you know? And I was like, hey, you know, he, he has a point. But I will tell you this, there was a lot of times when, you know, I would walk over to Jimmy, like Jimmy would sit down after practice or, you know, after shoot around, he would, he would sit like, you know, just putting his sneakers on and I would go over there and we would talk and I would, and I would like, you know, uh, tell him what I'm seeing in the game and this and that. And, and he would just break down things to me and he would give me a lot of, you know, insightful things. And the one thing I realized like Jimmy Butler, you know, he, he's the type of guy that he, he has a very high basketball IQ, right? That's the one thing. He's a whole lot smarter than he wants you to think he is. You know, he, he tries to, I'm not saying he dummies it down, but the guy is extremely smart. He's bright. He always reading books and doing the whole thing. And, you know, you, you, you sit down and you talk to him and you get a lot of information. I mean, I just realized that, you know, here's a guy, he knows that his, um, when he was in Philly, 
He knows that he has a reputation. And this was kind of sort of like the third strike. And he wasn't trying to get that strike because he was trying to go somewhere where he could get a max deal. And I really didn't have a problem with that because I wasn't afraid to walk up to him and ask him one-on-one questions. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I like Jimmy. Um, he, you know, he, some people, they can't deal with the personality and like the why, why are you asking this? But with us, you know, he, he kind of knew why we were asking questions. I mean, it's Jimmy Butler and everyone was waiting for Jimmy Butler to explode in Philadelphia. All right. Well, given his personality, right. And then I don't know how much attention you've paid to the heat over the, uh, the last couple of years, but really when I look at the heat next year, it's. The core of it is Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler. And you've seen Justice Winslow in a playoff series. He has an edge to him. Bam Adebayo is the ultimate competitor. When you look at Jimmy and his fit here, now there are also some guys on this roster that maybe, given some of their past situations, might have butt heads with Jimmy. But when you put Jimmy, you put uh, Justice Winslow, you put Bam Adebayo, and you put Eric Spolster and the Heat organization together, how do you foresee that all shaking out? How how do you think that formula is going to work? You know, I, I think it's going to work out well, but I, I don't think that they're there quite yet. You know what I mean? I, I think that, you know, next year, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to have like some cap space where they could go out and get some players. I, I think that's what's going to, when it's really going to kick in. You know, I think that a lot of people are going to basically look at the heat and see what's going to happen. And then they're going to say to themselves, you know what, I want to go down there and be a part of that. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, there'll be a team that, you know, that, that's battling for a playoff spot. You know, I mean, I think they'll make it, you know, but I think that the big leap is going to come a year from now. You know, I mean, you know, Jimmy is going to have to go out there. He's going to have to recruit. He's going to do stuff. But again, you know, it's, it's Pat Riley, you know, it's Eric Spolster, it's, it's, it's South Beach, it's Miami. You know, I, I think that, you know, the weather's great, um, a great organization, that things are going to come together. I just don't see, like, overnight them turning everything around. I think it's, it's, it's a year away from that. How do you think he'd fit next to Bradley Beal as a player? Mm, you know, I, I think it'll work out well. I mean, I do. Uh, the the only thing is does Bradley Bill I mean from the Jimmy's standpoint but the only thing is does Bradley Bill w- want to go somewhere where he's going to be back in the in the shadow again because I believe it's going to be Jimmy's team if Bradley comes you know Jimmy's already going to be there for a year you know and and Bradley was in that situation where he was in you know Washington with John Wall now John Wall's hurt and he's the man. So do you want to go somewhere again and be second fiddle to someone? You know, and, and as, as much as we, we say, hey, look, you come, to, you come to Miami, the team is going to be so much better. You're going to do this and do that. And, I, and I'm not taking a swipe at Bradley Bill. I don't know him. But I do know there's a lot of guys in the NBA who basically want to be the man as opposed to winning championships until it's later on in their career. So because when you're the man comes endorsements, comes all-star bids and stuff like that. So I don't know if Bradley Bill would want to play with Jimmy. Yeah. And, and like Bradley Bill, I think we, we, we have a bet going with Candace uh, um, where uh, 
she's told me it's not happening. So I, I kind of just want it to happen just to just to let Candace know she was wrong about that because she gave us a big womp womp. I think it could it could happen by February, honestly, because I, I, my, my belief on Bradley Beal is I get what you're saying and being the man. But if you look at the Washington organization for the past few years, and I know Tommy Shepard's trying to turn it around, but it's going to take a long time there. It, it just is. And, I, you know, to me, it, you know, Bradley Beal's a young guy, but he's been in the league a long time. <laughs> because he was so young when he broke in. And I just wonder if he's eventually going to push. Uh, last question for you, the most important question. What size T-shirt do you wear, Keith? Because we'll, we'll get one of these up. There. Uh, we, want you, we want you to wear these. Yeah. I'm trying to think which um, – where would you go to Pat's or Geno's with this T-shirt? Uh, where, where could we film you meeting Sixer fans wearing this particular T-shirt? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go to Pat's and Geno's, but I would go if, – if it was a cheesesteak place, I would go to Della Sandro's. That's where you need to come to <laughs> – uh, all right, so Delisandro's, we'll send yeah. you there. I mean, the market, we can't send you to the market near the Marriott where all of us stay. Like, just walk in the middle of the market with this T-shirt, you know, mocking the process. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be down with that? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not a hater of the process, but I'm not a champion of it either. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the thing is, but if you want to send me the shirt, I'm a, a double XL. All right, so. that's a, that's a, so are you, Alf, aren't you? Yeah. Is that right? I was going to make a joke about Sixers fans reading, but I felt that was in poor taste. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm from Philly. I'm not a Sixers fan, but I'm from Philly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Where, help. where are you from, Al? You from South Beach? I'm from, uh, I'm from, from Florida Miami? now. Oh. We have terrible we have terrible public schools, so I really couldn't make that joke. Yeah, he could. Well, no, you actually you're not even from Fort Lauderdale. You're from Coral Springs. Coral aren't you? Springs. Yeah, that doesn't even count. That's not even Fort Lauderdale, Alf. You That's think like Keith I mean, knows where, where Coral Springs is? Come yeah, on. Yeah, but it's it's not. Well, everybody thinks everything in Miami is South Beach, but yeah, no. It, I mean, it's not, you can't even claim Lauderdale, Alf. I mean, I, I I just I try to get something in the vicinity, or I could say I'm from Boca. Well, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you don't want to say that. I'm from Queens, all right. So I I, I don't know if that counts. Um, uh, I guess the final <laughs> thing I should ask you: you think the Sixers would ever want to take Dion back? <laughs> Dion, you know, that's my dude, man. I've known Dion since he was like in the ninth grade. I, I mean, I like Dion. That's my guy. He's different, but I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I love him to death, man. man uh, you know, the, are, thing, you know the thing I'll say about Dion, I, I did a story about this when I was, when I was in at, shape this summer. He no, he's in, he's in shape. I, the thing I will say about Dion is, I mean, he loves that city and he's really good to people in that city. Like when I, when I went back to do a story on him, it's crazy, Keith. You remember the night, uh, well, you're probably there, the night that he was traded, uh, you know, from Cleveland, I was there covering the Cavs, yeah. and and Dion, yeah, Dion was pulled in the back by our guy Raja Bell, who is from Miami. Uh, he was pulled in the back and told right before the game that he was going to get traded. He was about to get announced there, and yeah, it was crazy. I, I, disconsolate, right? Like that was the night they traded for Jr. and all that. I had spent that mm-hmm. day and actually was up in a box with Dion's elementary school teacher who he was still close with. I spent the whole day at that elementary school, like hearing Dion's stories and all the things he'd sent back to the kids and the pictures of Dion throughout the years. Cause he grew up literally right across the street. He grew up in a brownstone right across the street. He used to play basketball there. And uh, he'd given so much to those kids. So we joke about it because Dion was a disappointment last year, but he is in shape and I, he is really good to the people of Philadelphia. And, and he's been through a ton of tragedy up there. So uh, you know, we—I—I I don't mean to mock because uh, he is—he uh, is a good, good guy in that way, as you say. So. Yeah, I mean, Dion's different. Like, you know, he's a good guy, but he's also one of these guys who, you know, he's kind of like similar to Jimmy. Like, you know, you have to be—you got to be strong to deal with Dion. I mean, you know, Dion won't get up in your face, but Dion's going to do what he's going to do, 
if if you if you allow him to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. But I mean, I've just known him for a while, and uh, you know, he's just my guy. I always crack up and laugh, you know what I mean, at, at stuff. I mean, he's cool. Deion, Deion, like you said, he's he's like the Robin Hood to Philly. Like everyone yeah. loves him. He comes back. He gives this this big, you know, party and everything, and it's you know, Deion's crazy, man. I follow him on Instagram. I'm cracking up. I'm looking at him. I'm saying. Dude, are you really roller skating in that mansion like that? You know, like that, but that's Dion. You know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. All right, follow him at Pompey on Sixers. That's P-O-M-P-E-Y on Sixers. Keith, we appreciate it. I'll get your address off there. We'll get you a shirt. All right, my man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Keith. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.